Guardian Unlimited. Welcome to the Power of One podcast series, brought to you in association with the special edition Mazda RX-8PZ. For more information on the car, please visit www.mazda.co.uk. Okay, we're here with Mo Farah, the great young hope of British middle distance running. Do you feel under pressure when people describe you as the great hope of British middle distance running because Britain has such a rich tradition? Not really, it's just I think it depends on how much you put on yourself, but I think there is a little bit, but it doesn't really get to me. Ever since you've come to this country, which I think was when you were 13, you've been a champion. Even before you could speak English, you were a schools champion, you were five-time schools champion in a row. So, were you running even... When did you start running? I only started running in Britain, you know, I came to Britain to join my father here. Um, actually, I'm lucky enough to have my PE teacher, Alan Watkinson, who's the guy who actually took me to the local running club. Before, I was really interested in playing football, and I used to play football for, like, uh, my local team. But, yeah, lucky enough to actually Alan Watkinson, who put me into the right directions, and... And have him behind me all the way. So more or less immediately after beginning running, you started winning medals and races. Yeah, actually, I came like second before. It was like quite a funny story actually because I I didn't know where I was going. I kind of just followed this guy and kept going, kept going. And then when it comes to sort of hundred meters to go, he just sprint past me. I was thinking, what's going on? But then from there, just kind of learning all the way. And when you won your silver medal in the European Championships in in, in Sweden recently was was that to you uh, was that what you expected or were you disappointed not to get gold or, I'm not sure I don't think many people expected you to be in the medals obviously like uh, just before then I've run like 1309 which put me second best in all time in the UK and definitely after running now I was a lot of confidence and I knew sort of a few months ago before then I, it, it, I was thinking yeah it'd be nice to get a medal in the European Championship but then after that yeah, I just I kind of had a chat with my coach and my time and thinking and we thought yeah we'd get a medal but we didn't know what colour it's going to be, but at the same time I'm kind of disappointed because it was so close, uh, but we're not close enough obviously to get that gold medal. Yeah. <laughs> when you ran 13:09 in, in Belgium, I think it was just before the championship. Did you then was there a target immediately after that to go for David Morcarat's record, which has been standing I think for. 24 years so is that yeah. something now that's uh, on your hit list yeah definitely but I don't think it'd be like a, obviously I've got to stay injury free and I think it, that will be in the next couple of years you know um, obviously this year I've kind of like made a big breakthrough running 13.09 and not for many years no one has run that time so I, I think I've just got to stay injury free but definitely that is a, a target for, for sure you're, you're living now in Teddington in London with um, some of the best Kenyan athletes in, in the world including the Daniel Coma, the 3,000 metre world record holder, I think. Um, how, how does that work? What, do you, can you learn by living and watching these guys? Oh, yeah, this guy, this guy is a world-class athlete, you know, some of the Olympic champion, world record holders, world champion. And, yeah, you can definitely just learn from them. And, actually, I've kind of, like, I've been living there for over just over a year now, you know. I'm lucky to have to Ricky Sims, my agent, because uh, I was at St Mary's before, uh, there but that thing wasn't quite working so kind of moving there and actually these guys have learned a lot and you know not just running but outside running what they do and it's really good so, some people might find it strange to live with the people you'll be competing against on the track is, is there a rivalry or, or are you all mates 
we're all mates but you know when the gun goes off there's no mates <laughs> that's the only thing but yeah they're definitely really helpful and they're really good you know the guys you're, you're 23 so you're, you're only young and so as a young man most men your age are out drinking and dancing and doing all these sort of things what sort of sacrifices do you have to make to be a world class athlete well definitely I've, I've kind of made a lot of sacrifice but obviously like in last last year I made a lot more because um, before I was like my cousin he's a singer he goes out clubbing and stuff and he does encourage me to go out and come out with him but definitely said no and keep going but definitely I've made sort of a lot of changes this year obviously moving with the Kenyans and you know, sleeping early and eating right and yeah a lot of athletes say that the worst part of the week is the hour or so just before the race because that's when they start to get nervous how do you quell the nerves yeah definitely you know yeah actually they, what they say if you get nervous before a race that's a good sign so definitely but you just kind of deal with it you know I've been running for many years now and I do get nervous everybody gets nervous but that hour that's definitely sort of you could feel it and stuff but all I do is just warm up and just just try to forget about it Is the fact that you, you went through a big challenge in your life in leaving Somalia to come to England where you didn't speak the language at first so you had to be obviously mentally strong to, to, to adapt to your new life has that helped you in your racing career? Yeah, yeah definitely you know um, obviously I came to Britain like uh, I was I think I was about just 11 yeah so just 11 so when I came to Britain obviously I had to learn the language and that was a lot difficult and seeing people every day and you like want to have a conversation but you couldn't quite have a conversation yeah. and what, what by the way is your best event because you do everything from 800 metres to 10 kilometres or, or more probably <laughs> um, I, I prefer the short distance but I'm not as good as the short distance but I'm better 5k but I'll maybe sort of next year and see what happens and definitely keep working on speed and doing 8s and 15 but they say I'm better I'm definitely better at 5,000 What's the big event now on your horizon the, the next big championship that you're looking forward to? I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to the European cross country that's, uh, that's, uh, that's in December uh, and also we have the European indoors but I've got to have a chat with my coach and plan it and also we have a world cross in March so I've got to have a chat with my coach and see got to go through sort of how the season went what, what I'm happy with what I'm not happy in Obviously everybody in British Athletics at the moment is talking about 2012 which is going to be in your hometown London, I mean you'll be around your peak then right? Yeah definitely. I'll be 29 so that's what they say, that's when you're supposed to be at your best so I'm definitely looking forward to it, obviously having, having in home London that would be amazing you know, to just be a part of it. How do you think Britain will do with those games what, what are at your age group are, do you seeing a lot of your peers and guys a little younger than you who are developing into world class athletes yeah they are you know like myself there's myself Nick McCormack Chris Thompson who's coming through and obviously that at the minute I've run fast and they're probably saying look if Mo can run this time we can do it and it'd be good because we'll be all almost same age kind of they might be one year older than me but yeah and actually we've got quite youngsters coming through like um, we've got Emily Pigeon coming through she's really good and Stephanie 12 and a lot of younger girls as well. Everyone talks about the loneliness of a long distance runner you're plodding away there on the track and you're, you're suffering what do you actually think about when you're racing? Well it's really difficult sometimes like obviously in a race I kind of like for me I kind of like not, don't think about it till like uh, probably four or five laps to go and think oh can down my laps but till then it's just yeah I want to do well that's kind of thing. Do you do any sort of mental 
exercises to strengthen your concentration and your focus? Before I did that, when I was at St Mary's, I used to go and see the psychologist, but I think if once you just kind of compete at a higher level and train with people, people who are the best, obviously training with the Kenyans, and it just gives you a lot more confidence. And obviously, uh, also I've trained with Craig Mottrin, Australian guy, got bronze in the, in the World Championship. I've trained with him and learned a lot more as well. So, so as we said before, you're, you're a master of many trades, from 800 metres to 10 kilometres and, and the steeple. How do you train for each event differently? I assume there's, training for the 800 metres isn't the same as training for the 5,000 metres. Yeah, definitely. You know, 5,000 metres uh, takes a lot of volume, a lot of mileage. So you have to do quite a lot of mileage and also work on your speed. What's an average day in the life of Mo Farah? Like, what time do you get up and start training? Well, I wake up just before 8, uh, have a coffee, have a slice of toast, and then go out for my run, six-mile run, sort of. Depends on what day it is, but obviously if it's Monday, I just kind of, just sort of a steady run. And then in the afternoon again, go, come back, uh, have some more food, have a shower, and then maybe go to the gym, do core stability, and then again come back and maybe have an hour, knock out, which is mm-hmm. sleep for an hour, and then go for another another run yeah. depends on how you feel you obviously follow a, a strict diet like what, what are the no-nos I mean there's the obvious no alcohol no chocolate and that sort of thing yeah. but are there any less obvious things you, you have to avoid no like McDonald's or <laughs> Burger King or anything like that so if you just kind of like just trying to eat healthy like what health thing basically require is uh, rice pasta salad and just chicken protein and get also do you have to eat red meat now and then yeah. so sort of get the iron up and then after a race, when you've run really well, do you celebrate by getting a hamburger and, and chips, or are you immediately back focusing on keeping yourself in shape? No, you're kind of thinking ahead. Thinking ahead. You've done well there, and say, oh, yeah, thank you. Um, but I don't, if it's end of season, then you can afford to do that, because obviously you're going to have a break. But if you have a late night or go out on a razzle, um, next morning you're not feeling as well, and you miss out a training session. So that's the only bad thing about it, and obviously calories as well. How long does your off-season last? It's only a few weeks, isn't it? Actually, because um, I do the I come up, I do the track and then go back into the cross-country, so I don't get as much rest as uh, some of the guys who are just only competing for the track. Uh, it usually depends on how, what my body feels like. Uh, if I feel really tired and coming down with niggle, then I will take a longer break. But if I feel all right, fresh, then it'll be like a, a week and a half, no running, and then sort of running every other day and just get back into it slowly. Uh-huh. Uh, you're obviously really dynamic, a, a dynamo. But, but um, how, for how long can you continue competing in every event? Like by 2012, for example, will you have have to decide that okay, it's 3,000 meters and, and nothing else? Or? No, definitely. You know, um, 2012 it was not going to be easy. It's, a, it's an Olympic, and everybody wants to win, and obviously be part of the, the, the team. And I think I've got to choose it. I would like to compete in the 5,000, but till then I just have to keep training and keep focusing and obviously still working on my short distances because that's quite important. Uh, if you watch many races, it does come down to the last lap or last 100 metres for me, like the Europeans. Yeah. So <laughs> just keep working my speed and, yeah. Did you have a, an idol when you were growing up? Who, who was your sports hero? <laughs> this is funny. I used to think, you know... Jamie Porsche used to think because he used to always like bleach his hair and do things <laughs> but obviously I've, I've learned more and studying about watching a lot of videos and stuff 
Uh, obviously, Sebastienko is one of my idols, and also Hishaman Grush, the 1500 meter, and also definitely look to Paula Radcliffe because you know, um, before when I was young, she used to uh, give us uh, some money towards uh, warm weather training and stuff. And I've, I've been in a team with her, and I'm watching her win the world cross country was just wow, amazing! In yeah. actually in Belgium, Ostend. You've no plans then to bleach the hair and dye the beard? <laughs> I think I'm growing out of that now. You know, I did that when I was younger. But, yeah. Okay, Mo, thanks very much. Lovely Thank talking you. to you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Power of One podcast series. Brought to you in association with the special edition Mazda RX-8PZ. For more information on the car, please visit www.mazda.co.uk. Guardian Unlimited.